I don't know about you guys, but I absolutely loved that extra hour of sleep last night. Wasn't that nice? It was great. Anyways, we're super glad you guys are here. My name's Alex Fisher. I'm the interim pastor of Youth in College here. If you're a guest, uh, we're really thankful that you're here. Um, in the pew in front of you, there should be a blue card. If you could fill that out with just some basic information, that'd be awesome. And then on the, black, on the back of that card, there's actually a place to put prayer requests. So if uh, you or a member has a prayer request, just go and drop that in there. Uh, when the offering plate goes by, and then tomorrow morning as a staff, we're going to pray over each of those. So for right now, why don't we all stand up and welcome those that are around us. You're here to worship with us. Let's start off this morning with Everlasting God.
God is the God of forgiveness, and when He forgives our sins, He removes them as far as the east is from the west. How many have heard that saying before? Many of you have. Have you ever thought about why that is? That song kind of tells us He's an everlasting God. He is as far as the east is from the west. He extends for eternity. So when He forgives sin, it's gone. He is the fountain of, of our blessings. He's the fountain of our forgiveness. So let's continue on this morning as we sing, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing, and let's just worship Him with this old hymn of the faith. Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing To my heart to sing Thy grace
Would you pray with me? Father, I just thank you so much uh, that you are our fountain of, of many blessings. Lord, we find our, our sustenance in you. Um, Lord, you take care of us uh, and you look after us. But God, so many times as that song says, our hearts are prone to wonder. And Lord, I just ask your forgiveness for that. I know my own heart wonders at times. Uh, but Lord, you're always faithful to bring us back, to be there when we come back, to take us in open arms. Uh, and continue the walk with you. And Lord, I want to pray for the person here today that, that may be here just because it's a habit to be here, or maybe a friend invite them. They don't really know why they're here. But God, their heart has wandered away from you. Lord, as humans, we are prone to do that. And I want to pray for that person uh, that today, Lord, that you would touch him or her uh, to draw them back, to draw them back into the fold, Lord, to find forgiveness uh, for their sin, to find, for God, find forgiveness for where they've wandered away from you. God, so they can experience your love and your forgiveness. And Lord, that they can see not only that you're a great God, but they can begin to see a picture of who you see us as, Lord. That we're chosen, that we're forgiven, that we belong to you, God. And it's nothing that we've done, it's what you've done. And God, your view of us is, is, is so high because of that. So Lord, as we sing this last song, I just pray that, uh, that hearts will be open to you, uh, Lord, that people will, will, will feel your presence, Lord, will sense that tugging at their heart, uh, Lord, to even begin now to getting back into the fold, Lord, to, to walk away from that heart that's wandering and give it back to you. Just pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's continue on as we sing, Who You Say I Am.
Jesus, we thank you so much that we are your children. And this morning, Lord, we've gathered together to worship you. And I pray that as we continue on uh, with the teaching from the word, God, that the worship wouldn't stop. Lord, that as, as each word is read, as each word is spoken, God, that our hearts would be, would be aflame with worship to you because of your greatness uh, and the glory uh, that you show us. So, God, move among us now in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning, church. Good to be in the house of the Lord, worshiping Him. Amen? Hey, what what an awesome song we just sang, the songs we've sang together this morning. Greg Greg was leading those songs, and as I was sitting there just taking that in, I I recognize with you, I'm prone to wander. I I believe you are prone to wander. Um, If there's any perfect people in here this morning, if you would move to the front row, we've got room for you. Um, for the rest of us, we're prone to wander, but uh, we have a, a Lord who has set us free. And when he sets us free, we're free indeed. Amen? What a joy it is to know that there's a place for us in our Father's house. Um, this morning, we, I'm going to talk about confession. And we've been talking about through a series of knowing God, how, how I can know God, how you can know God, how we can walk more intimately, more personally with God. It's very important for us to understand how to grow in likeness to God and in relationship to God. So uh, we've been walking through some spiritual disciplines, and that word discipline is a little difficult in our culture today. I know we don't like discipline at all, but we need discipline. Any, any athlete that ever achieves greatness has discipline in their life, and, and I could go through many illustrations there, but we need discipline in our life. I need discipline in my life. And you need it as well. So in the discipline of confession, you may look at me and say, well, that doesn't really seem like, Pastor, a discipline as much as a grace. And, and you're right, it is a grace. But I should be, and you should be disciplined to come before the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and, and lay your life before Him, analyzing your life, your thoughts, your actions, the things that you're doing in your life alongside of His Word and, and be disciplined to ask God to forgive you when you have failed. We, we're going to find one of the most beautiful passages of Scripture, in my opinion, this morning, in Psalm chapter 32. When we look at David, and we look at his life, David comes to the table this morning, he's not doubting that he has sin in his life. He, he's, not, he's not questioning what sin is. He fully knows he has sin, and he lays it out before God. And when he lays it out before God... God does a work in his life. I want you to understand this morning, you're here for a reason. God's appointed you this time. 
He's anointed me with the Word of God to speak into your life. And I want you to understand, there is a place for us in our Father's house. But in order to have that, and in order for us to recognize what that looks like, we've got to know that we're prone to wander, and we've got to deal with that wandering rightly before God this morning. So we're going to read through this text, and it doesn't begin with David laying out the sin of his life. It lays out the beauty and the grace of God, the God that we have Today is the same God that David had then. Now, there are, there are people that are in life, they, they look at their life and they say, well, you know, really and truly, um, I, I, I'm just, I don't have sin. There's nothing majorly wrong in my life. And, and there are people who deny that there is sin in their life. And, and actually, even though they may be under the biblical teaching of the Word of God, they may take the Word of God and tweak it, change it, manipulate the Word a bit, to accommodate their own lifestyle. Do you know anybody like that? Maybe you. <laughs> uh, but you, you've, you've seen that before. We see that in our culture today, to take our life, the, the what we want to live, how we want to live, and, and bring alignment in our life uh, and an acceptance to our life by gaining a, a crowd that will approve of our lifestyle and also taking and manipulating God's Word to make it more comfortable for us. And I just want to tell you, that's a sin, and, and there's no, nothing's going to be gained for God's glory in that. So denial that there's sin in our life is real in people's life today, but not only denial, but um, comparison. People will look at other people in, their, in the world and their sphere of influence or around them in their circle and say, well, at least my sin isn't as bad as their sin. And, and that is wrong, too, for us to do. So today when we, we look in this text, I want you to see a man that we know was after God's heart, David, a man after God's own heart. Look at David and look at his life and look how he deals with sin. And let's, let's take some notes from that today. I pray that by the end of this sermon today that we're convicted. If there's sin in your life, I, I'm just going to be honest straight up, right out the gate. I don't want you to be comfortable here today. I want you to be uncomfortable if you're living in sin. I want to be made uncomfortable before you this morning for the sin in my life. I want us all to be uncomfortable with that. And I want us to deal rightly with a loving, gracious, just God this morning. So if you will stand with me, let's read Psalm 32. I want to read the first five, five verses this morning of God's Word here and, and understand what it's saying to my life and your life. Psalm 32, verse 1, God's Word says, How blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven whose sin is covered. How blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. When I kept silent about my sin, my body wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My vitality was drained away as with the fever heat of summer. I acknowledged my sin to you, and my iniquity I did not hide. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. Father, we thank you for being a loving God. Lord, I pray that you will move in every person's life this morning as we study this text. God, that we would, we would deal rightly with you in relationship to the sin that is in or has been in our life. Lord, we recognize none of us are perfect. We all come before you wanting this morning. We're short. We're in need. We've all sinned and fallen short of your glory. 
None of us are worthy to have the grace that you offer. So let us be mindful of that and recognizing that, accept that grace, position ourselves rightly before you this morning, in full surrender, turn from our ways to your way this morning, Jesus. Move in our lives, I pray and ask this, in your precious name, the name of Jesus, the name above every name, in heaven and on earth, and we pray it in Jesus' name, amen. All right, as we see, this text lays out for us very clearly. David, in the first two verses, says two things. How blessed, how blessed. How blessed. He recognizes how blessed he is. How blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven. So, God blesses the repentant sinner with forgiveness. That would be my first point I'd want you to understand this morning. God blesses the repentant sinner with forgiveness. Very clear, very easy to understand. If I'm a sinner, if you're a sinner, or if I'm living in sin, you're living in sin, we're all sinners. I've sinned in the past. I hope you're a saint saved by God's grace and, and you know Him in relationship and power. But we've all sinned, so that's something we all hold in common. And, and here we see that God blesses us with forgiveness if we will repent and come to Him. So God Forgives our sin. And it talks about transgression there. What is transgression? Well, just by definition, that word transgression, an act that goes against the law, rule, or code of conduct, it's an offense. Sin is an offense. Sin goes against the law code of God. God has a, a law code. It, he has a, a measuring stick for what is right and what is wrong. He's presented it to us in His Word. And you and I have the ability to turn to God's Word and clearly know what God's will for our life is. Have you ever wondered what God's will for your life is? On that thought, let me just expound that for a moment. God's will for your life and my life, 1 Thessalonians 4 tells us, is for your sanctification and my sanctification. God desires to sanctify you. That means God desires to grow you in His likeness. God desires to take you and, and in transition, take you from who you are and where you are in your life right now to cl a closer, more intimate, more personal walk with Him. And he, he paves the way. He provides the opportunity. He does the work. We have to come alongside and agree with him and acknowledge our lives as they are. So uh, we sin and, and we have sin in our life. And, and the reason we have sin in our life is because we distrust God's goodness. God is a good God. And, and David was living in sin. He knew the sin of his life. There was no question about sin in his life. He, he wasn't in question as to what sin was. He knew the Ten Commandments. When David stood on that roof... And he looked out and he saw Bathsheba. He knew the scriptures revealed to him. Exodus chapter 20 told him God's word spoke in his life. And he knew well that a man was not to covet another man's wife. He knew that. He wasn't in question about that. He also knew that a man was not to commit adultery. So he knew that it was, it was wrong, it was against the will of God for him to covet Bathsheba. It was against the will of God for him to go and have an adulterous affair with Bathsheba. He also knew that it was against the will of God for him to kill her husband. So there, there was three things out of ten. I mean, he's, he's 30% done already, you know what I mean? Y'all with me this morning? 
Just making sure y'all still there. David knew he was in the wrong from the beginning. He knew he was living in sin. As soon as he began that engagement with Bathsheba, he knew that. So there was, there was no doubt that David was missing the mark. Now think about missing the mark. And I think of an illustration I've used before. There was this salesman, traveling salesman. He was riding through towns and on his, on his route one day. And he came through this little town in the countryside. And, and he noticed as he began to come into town, he said there was, there was arrows just placed in different spots. These, these big arrows and, and there was bullseyes. And, and, and every arrow had, had just perfectly centered every bullseye. They were on trees, they were on fence posts, they were on barns. They were just all over. As he drove through, he noticed all these arrows with these bullseyes. He went to lunch that day, and, and he was talking to the waitress, and he said, I've just noticed driving around town this, today that there's a lot of arrows with bullseyes. There must be a pretty sharp archer here in town. She said, yeah, he's actually right over there. You can speak to him. So he went over and introduced himself and met the archer, and he said, and you're an amazing shot. Every single bullseye I see, you have perfectly centered that bullseye. And the guy looks at him and says, well, I'm pretty, not really that good of a shot. He said, I must be honest. He said, I usually just rear my bow back and fling an arrow, and wherever it hits, I go and paint a bullseye. <laughs> there are a lot of people in this world that live that way. We're just flinging life out there, and whatever, wherever we land, we paint life around it to look really good. Do you know what I'm talking about, church? We, we hit a mark, we, we miss the real mark, but we hit somewhere and we paint our life, we paint our circumstances, we paint the people around us, we, we make it look good for us. You know, in our life, we don't have to live apart from hitting the mark perfectly. When we live with Jesus, when we, when we understand the grace of God, we pursue God in relationship. We can hit the mark. We don't have to live in our sin. We don't have to live missing the mark. We don't have to continually go through life living under that condemnation and that fallen, broken spirit. And that's what, that's what we see in David's life. He says, how blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. So we see in the Bible that God established a source, a way that I can be forgiven and a way that you can be forgiven of your sin. We, we all have sin, so we've missed the mark, so we've got to understand how do we deal with the sin in our life. And, and there are people that try to justify their sin, try to fix their own sin, but in reality, there's no way we can do that. So how, how, can, I, how can I have my sin fixed? Well, if we just go back to the very beginning in the garden with Adam and Eve, we see the first couple... They could have eaten from the fruit of any tree in that garden except for one. It is amazing when you tell a child, do not touch that, they go straight for it. And, and just childlike, Adam and Eve were told, do not touch that tree, and they went for it. And when they consumed the fruit of that tree, they sinned because they distrusted God's goodness. God, had, in, in His goodness, had given them all of this to eat, and they distrusted God's goodness, and they ate the one thing God told them not to eat. So God came down, and what did they do? They tried to hide their sin. They tried to hide the fact they had sinned, even. And then when they got found out, they tried to blame everything but themselves for their sin. But God looked at them in His great compassion and love, just as he looks at me, 
just as he looks at you. He sees you as valuable. He sees you as worth it. So what did God do? He took an animal, an innocent animal that he had created, and he slayed that animal. And he shed blood right there. It was God's way of doing it. He covered their sin by the shed blood of an animal. And then they had tried to make themselves some coverings out of fig leaves, and that didn't work. Anybody tried to build a, a dress? Any lady here ever tried to build a dress out of leaves? Doesn't work, right? Guys, clothing out of leaves doesn't work. But God took that animal, slayed that animal, took the skins of that animal, made an outfit for them to cover them. By God's love, grace, and mercy, He covered them. And, and then we see that that, that that sacrifice, that sacrificial system of blood being shed, it progressed. Because not only did Adam and Eve miss the mark, Others missed the mark. But what we do see is we see Adam and Eve surrendered to God and accepted that work that God had done. And then we see that the families of Israel, as they began to grow as a nation, God's, a, God's chosen nation, they, they messed up. They missed the mark. They sinned. And God said, okay, we're going to take you out of Egypt. We're going to take you towards the promised land. And, and tonight... I want you to take an, ant, an animal, a lamb, and I want you to slay that lamb, and I want you to paint the doorposts and lentils of your house with the blood of that lamb. And tonight, the death angel is going to pass through Egypt. And, and if you're not covered, you're going to lose a child. God showed them that their sin was covered because they weren't any more perfect or more righteous than anybody else in the world, but their sin was covered by the shed blood of the lamb. And then it culminated from there to the sin of a nation being atoned for by the priest with the shed blood of an animal. And, and, and you know, the, the people of Israel, the nation of Israel, they surrendered to God's command. They, they understood God's love for them. And they positioned themselves where that shed blood would cover them. And then God said, I'm going to finish this once and for all. I'm going to step into humanity. And I'm going to allow the people that I created, my crown of creation, to beat me. They'll pierce my hands and my feet with nails and nail me to a cross. And I'm going to shed my blood, a righteous, holy God, for an unrighteous, unholy people. And I will finish the sacrifice for sin. I will completely atone for them that will surrender their life to me and accept the, accept the sacrifice that I have made for their sin. So we can see the sacrificial system go from one couple to the whole world. For all of those who will surrender their life to Jesus and accept the work of the cross of Calvary, we don't have to live in our sin. We don't have to live by the mark of our sin. We're missing the mark. He hit the mark, and we can live under His righteousness, and we can be clothed by Him. I'm clothed by the righteousness of God. My best to be good is not good enough. Your best effort to be good is not good enough. He is perfect. So I come under the shed blood of the Lamb of God. 
And he invites us all in that. And David came under the shed blood of God, and, and he came before God. He surrendered his life to God. So then we don't only see that God forgives sin, and that's how he forgives sin. We see that God covers sin. Notice in that, in that text we read this morning, how blessed is he, is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. The sin of mankind can be covered. It can be completely covered. And God covers our sin. My righteousness, as I just said, your righteousness, our best efforts to be good is not good enough. And we cannot cover our own sin. God is the only person who can cover our sin. David had tried to cover his sin. Nathan called it out. David had lived for about a year from the time he had sinned with Bathsheba until the time that he had come to confess his sin and reveal it. I want, I want you to remember something. Scripture tells us that if we conceal it, He'll reveal it. You cover your sin and God's going to expose it. You conceal it, He'll reveal it. But if you, if you reveal it, get this church, He'll conceal it. And I use the word conceal there because it's a direct synonym to cover. God covers our sin, so Psalm 32 says. He covers our sin. He, if we'll reveal our sin, He'll conceal our sin. He'll cover our sin. Not only does He cover our sin, and that is the picture that we understand in our mind, He puts a covering over it. He totally deals with it. As, as Greg said a moment ago, Psalm 103, verse 12, as far as the east is from the west, so far have I separated you from your transgressions. We're not just dealing with a God who can look past it. He's dealt with it. And, and I'll add one thing to, to Greg's statement that I, I've always loved as I've thought about that passage. There's a distance from north to south. I can measure north to south. If I go north so far, I'll start going south. If I go south so far, I'll start going north. I can never run out of east. And I can never run out of west. I can go the rest of eternity east, and I can go the rest of eternity west. There's no limits to east or west. I have a God, you have a God, who has afforded us the privilege to come under Him and be covered by His blood, and He deals with our sin in such a manner that He covers it from the east to the west beyond our imagination. He deals with it completely. So we've, we've got this, this understanding that, that we can't cover our sin. Adam and Eve couldn't cover their sin. David couldn't cover his sin. You can't cover your sin. It fails every time. You never can do it. It never works out. So our sin will always be found out. Your sin will be known. It may be known now by somebody else that you don't think knows. It may be known in the near future by someone else. But I'll tell you this. There is a righteous God in heaven who sits and knows your sin. My sin and your sin have been completely exposed before the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. He knows our sin. He knows our sin. And in knowing our sin, He forgives our sin. And He covers our sin. What a gracious God. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Church, Christ died for you. Nothing should fire you up more than the fact that God died for your sin so he could forgive your sin, cover your sin, and complete you. Uh, that's the only way we can be complete is in God. So we, we see here that, that he has clothed us, he's covered us. 
And not only that, in this text we see how blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity. And so not only does he not only does he forgive us, not only does he cover us, he cancels our sin. The word impute is an accounting term. And when we understand that word, it means this, to put on the account or to add to the record. So in other words, when you sin, your sin could be put on your account. It could be added to your record. You could gain a rap sheet. I got a rap sheet before Jesus. After I allowed him by acknowledging my sin to forgive me of my sin and cover my sin, he canceled my sin. He did not impute that. He didn't add it to my record. He didn't account it to my record, but he took it away. Isn't that awesome? He, he takes it away. He does away with it. So when we confess our sin and we lay it before him, he cancels the debt. He takes it off of our account. He removes it from our record when we confess our sin. God wipes the slate clean. I will tell you this, though. We shouldn't rape grace. Our lives should not be lived in such a way that I go to God and I say, God, I'm so sorry for this sin. I lay it before you. Please forgive me of my sin. Turning around only to fall right back into that sin. And then going back to God and laying it back before God only to turn right back around and fall in that sin again. Now, there will be things that you will struggle with, I will struggle with. We will all struggle in our lives. But when we confess our sin to God and surrender to Him... Our hearts should be burdened in such a way that we rise from that and we turn away from our sin. Repentance means turning away from, to walk away from our sin. Walk to a Savior. Walk with the Savior. Make, make a promise to God. God, I've done that. I've done that. I've done this. Make a promise to God. God, I promise you, and it may be one thing at the time for you. I remember when I first got saved in 2003, I remember there was just, I couldn't handle a whole lot, but I could get rid of one thing at the time. I was like, God, let's deal with this. And I would deal with that with God. And I'd have victory over that. And then I'd deal with what was next. And I'd deal with what was next. And then I would deal with what was next. I'm telling you, my life and your life is not a light switch. We can't just all of a sudden flip it on and we got all of Jesus and we're, we're perfect, okay? No, it is a progression of walking closer to Jesus. But my life should be walking closer. Your life should be walking closer as we walk away from that sin which has been in our life. Walking away and walking to Him. So God, God forgives us of our sin. He covers our sin. And He cancels that sin debt in our life. And we see that in that text. There's, the second point I want you to see in this is that God will not bless a person living in sin. I want you to hear me now. God will not bless you living in your sin. Where are you getting that from, Scott? Look at, look at verse 3 with me. It says, When I kept silent about my sin, my body wasted away. Through my groanings all day long, for day and night, your hand was heavy upon me. My vitality was drained away as with the fever heat of summer. I want you to recognize with me that David is speaking there that Man, I kept silent about my sin. I covered that for about a year and, and tried to hide that from everybody else. And when I kept silent about my sin, there was something that was happening in my life. My body was wasting away. I was literally, he's saying, I was literally sin sick. 
The sickness that was in my life was sin. I, I was being drained by sin. It was like standing under the, the hot heat of summer, and my life was just being drained from me. I'd lost my vitality. Can I tell you something, church? When you reside with sin, when, when, when you say, you know what, this is just me. I'm just going to live in this right here. You begin to lose your vitality for ministry and to be the person God's called you to be. You're not going to be vital in it. You lose your vitality. We, we, can't, we can't just make exceptions in our life. I've heard people say in, in the ministry that God called me to in conversation, I've heard people say, well, I can't be perfect, preacher. And that's nothing more than an excuse to live in sin. And, and we, we pick and choose the sins we want to live in. We're like, well, God just had to get over that one. Absolutely not. Tell, tell me where the King of kings and Lord of lords, the creator of you and me, who formed us in our mother's womb, intricately designing us and planning the days of our life, ever said, I'm just going to get over some of your sin. I'm going to let you live in it and be okay with it. Show me in the Bible where he said, it's all right to have that sin, just don't have this one. And we, a lot of times we say, well, my sin's not as big as hers or his. And, and you've got to look at sin and understand, there's no big sin and little sin in God's eyes. It's all sin. I don't care if it's murder or if it's, um, if, if it's gossip, it's sin before God. And it is wrong. And we should look at it and say, that burdens me, and I don't want to live in that sin. Now, are there greater consequences to certain sins? Are some sins more visible? Yes, some sins are more visible. Some sins carry different consequences. But God's, in God's economy, sin is sin. And it takes one sin to separate you from a loving God. It takes one Word to come before him and be forgiven, surrendered. Silence about our sin slowly deteriorates the sinner's life. That's what, that's what David said here. Man, I, when I kept silent about my sin, I'm just, going, I'm just going to ask you a pointed question. What are you silent about in your life? What, what sin... Church, hear me. What sin are you living in that you've been silent about and you hadn't talked to God about? James tells us, confess your sins one to another. What sin have you done against someone else you haven't spoken about? I've said this before in this church. And I'll say it again. I can tell you this much right now. Everything I've done wrong in my life, I've talked to my wife about. Because if it was something that could have been done wrong against her, I wasn't always saved in our marriage, okay? I lived in our marriage. I lived for several years apart from Jesus. So I sat down with my wife and shared everything that could be a conflict. I never wanted, no matter where I stood in life, for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and for His glory, I never wanted there to be an opportunity for somebody to take me out. I wanted to know everything about me. It's good living with a clean conscience before somebody that you love and are dear, near and dear to. It really is good for somebody to know every single thing about you. I can tell you somebody else knows everything about me, and that's Jesus. I, I don't have anything hidden from him. He knows that we've talked about it, and we're dealing with it. Amen? So there's, there's some relationships in your life and my life we probably need to have some conversations 
and not remain silent about because when you're silent about then they begin to deteriorate. And you say, boy, if I told her that, if I told him that, it'd kill my marriage. It'd, it'd kill our relationship. Well, it may, but you living with that, that constant weight, that constant grind in your life, that constant condemnation is going to kill your relationship too. Can I be honest with you? We've got to deal with sin in our life. We'll either deal with it on the front that it can be, it can be redeemed and, and, and built up, or we're going to deal with it in a way that's going to destroy us. And here we see that David says, When I kept silent about my sin, my body wasted away through my groanings all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. The longer you live with sin... Without facing God completely, the weaker you become. Your heart is fragile. My heart is fragile. When I got saved, God gave me, He replaced the heart of stone, according to Scripture, with a heart of flesh. I have a, I have a heart that's pliable. I have a heart that God can work on. When I, when I live in sin, what happens is I, I, I begin to experience the conviction of sin. And as I experience the conviction of sin... I either push that conviction as hard as I can, try to push that conviction away from me, or I deal with God about that sin. And if I push the conviction, try to push the conviction away and try to continue in my sin, what happens is my heart grows harder and harder and harder. And it literally begins to kill me. Some of you are nodding your head, you get it. Some of you are sitting there, I don't want to talk about this. Can we move on, preacher? Because it is convicting. So when we think about our heart, man, you've got one heart. I want God to do heart surgery on me. If I've got sin in my life, if you've got sin in your life as a pastor who loves you and cares for you, I want God to deal with you. I want you to feel... What David felt, he felt the heavy hand of God. Now, David was a man who was under the hand of God. Even as a child, God had his hand upon him. God had a hand in his life when he called him to be the king of Israel. God had his hand in his life when he was victorious over so many things that he was victorious over in his life. So God's hand was a nurturing hand, a loving hand, an encouraging hand. One that lifted David up, but God's hand became a heavy hand on David when he was living in sin. See, the same hand as a loving hand can be a corrective hand and bring correction on you. I was, I was sharing with a friend of mine, we were walking through this. I knew I'd, I'd preach on this, and I, so I just laid out a couple things for him. And I said, well, what you, how do you feel about this? And it was a long conversation. We got to the point, he said, Scott, let me just tell you, man, I know when I'm going to sin. I, I do. I know right from wrong, and I kind of know walking into it, I'm fixing, to, I'm fixing to sin. I've got a decision to make. He said, I, I fail myself a lot, and I make the wrong decision. And I sin, and I regret that. He said, I'm praying now at this stage in my life that God would so convict me that I wouldn't take that step into sin. 
I, I pray that myself. I've been praying that for every year that I've been, been a Christian for almost every day. God, if I begin to step into sin today, I pray you burden my heart so bad. I pray, God, you give me eyes to see what sin looks like through your eyes. Not my eyes, not through my cultural experience, but through your eyes, God, let me see that sin. And, God, I pray you'd so burden me that I'd walk away from it. And if I walk into it, Lord, blister me. Don't let me live in it. Get me. I want to keep a short account with sin. The moment I do it, I want to get it over with and be, be right with God and move on and not return to that sin. Amen? Do you want that in your life? Is that where, where you are? are? Are you okay with, well, Pastor, I'm just going to have a little bit. I really like this. I, I'm kind of enjoying it. If I don't do that, I'm not going to get invited to the party or I'm not going to be popular anymore. I'm, I'd rather be popular in Jesus' eyes than somebody on this earth's eyes. I'd rather be a man after God's own heart than a man after the party. There's, there's a lot more to it. So we see that God's not, God didn't allow David to live comfortably in his sin. And God's not going to allow you to live comfortably in your sin. He's going to put his hand upon you. Why? Because he loves you. He loved David. He didn't want David to live in that sin. and content. He didn't want there to be another Bathsheba. He wanted David to get right. What happened, though, was with that heavy hand upon David, what did he do? Man, he went to God. It took him longer than it should have, and it's taken me at times longer than it should have. It's taken you longer than it should have. But when we come back to God, we feel the, we feel the, the love of God. That hand turns from a heavy hand of conviction and pushing on my life and burdening me to a hand of love and grace and mercy. And we get that, that loving touch of God. But I'm telling you, as long as we live in that sin, all we're going to feel is a heavy hand. I want to ask you a question. Right now, you personally, are you feeling the heavy hand of God in your life on something? I know there are people in here that do. They, do you feel the heavy hand of God in your life about a sin that you're in right now? you feel that heavy hand? What are you going to do about it? Are you going to keep living with your life wasting away, your vitality being drained? That sin taking control in your life, or are you going to confess that sin to God and experience the loving hand of God? What David experienced was worth it. He experienced that he, he experienced it, but he came back to God. He, I love this. He came back around, and what did God do? God loved on him. Can I tell you something? I had a buddy of mine back in in. Uh, where I came from in Georgia, I had a buddy of mine told me, he said, man, God's got a black X on my back. He's done with me. I'm of no value to God. I'll live for hell because heaven's not for me. See, what happens, he had sinned in such a way that he didn't feel God could ever forgive him. He couldn't forgive himself. And he didn't believe God could forgive him. So he just said, you know what, preacher, I've done messed up. I can't get over it. God's not going to let me. I'm done. He's got a black X on my back. He's counting me worthless. Can I tell you this, church? Hear me. There's not a black X on anybody's back. There's not a sin that Christ didn't die for on the cross of Calvary. There's not a sin that He won't save you from, redeem you from, and give you life after. 
The only sin that will be unpardonable will be blaspheming the Holy Spirit. Living your life, turn away, pushing God away and turning in death away from God. Other than that, no matter what you've done, we have a loving God in heaven. He knew what you did, were going to do before you did it, and he died on the cross of Calvary for your sin. He knew when he went to the cross what he was going for. This isn't some, this isn't progressive revelation for Jesus. He knew. He knew what he was getting into, and he did it for you because he loves you. I want to ask you one more question. Is there a sin in your life you've become real comfortable with? Kind of got to the place in your life where I'm just going to have this one or this one or these. Can, can I beg you to do something today? Turn now before it's a greater road of destruction. Turn now from that sin to a loving Savior. Before your heart gets any harder, before your hope diminishes any more, turn now. We've got to model what David did in his life in seeking the Lord's forgiveness. We, I just want to pour through verse 5 here for a moment. Acknowledge my, I acknowledge my sin, David said. I acknowledge my sin to you. In my iniquity, I did not hide. I said, I will confess my transgression to the Lord. And you forgave the guilt of my sin. See, David acknowledged his sin. He owned his own stuff. He didn't try to blame anybody else. He took it. He said, I did it. It's me. And now it's me and you. David was capable of any sin. You're capable of any sin. I'm capable of any sin known to man. There's nothing that I cannot do when it comes to sin. When I walk close to Jesus, there's a lot of things that I'll conquer and won't walk in. But when I walk close to this world, oh, I'm opening myself up, and you are too, to any sin known to man. So we, we see David says, man, it was mine. I did this. I, he made the right move. He acknowledged his sin before God. He, he confessed that sin and from a completely broken and repentant heart, David begged God to forgive him. We see, if we read Psalm 51, we see that repentance. That David said, I did this, 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 this is me, I, I, I did it. And he begged God to forgive him. And God forgave David's sin. God did exactly what God said he would do. He said he would forgive us if we would call upon him. God is a promising God, and He has always kept His promise. I want you to see what 1 John chapter 1, verse 9 says. One of my life verses. I love this verse. If we confess our sin, He is faithful and righteous to forgive us. He's faithful and He's righteous to forgive us of our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So there's nothing that God's not capable of doing in your life and my life. He'll, he'll forgive us if we're faithful 
to confess our sin. We live in a culture that hates conviction, and we hate it. We don't want anybody to tell us we're doing wrong. We want to be comfortable. We don't want to be convicted. Here's the reality, folks. God convicts us of our sin. When you're in sin, when you sin, God's going to convict you. If you're a child of God, He's going to convict you. If you're a lost sinner and you don't know Jesus and you don't have a relationship with Him, He's going to convict you because He longs for that relationship with you and He's trying to call you to Himself. So God convicts us. The right response is to confess our sin. When we confess our sin, God covers it and He completes us. But folks, that's not the end of the journey. Conviction leads to confession. Confession leads to being covered. And covering leads us to be completed. That's not the end of it, though. The end of it is Satan stands up then, buddy. And he starts to condemn you. Tomorrow, next week, next month, next year, he says, Yeah, you remember? You remember, you remember when you did this? Remember when you did that? You're no good. You're no good. And, and some people can interpret that as being God still weighing heavy on their heart. I can tell you something, ladies and gentlemen, by the promise of God. If you in surrender come to Jesus and you ask Him to forgive you of a sin and you lay it before Him and you're broken in your heart that you did that and you lay it before God and you don't want any more to do with it and you honestly, an assessment before God, lay it before Him. You acknowledge it and you ask Him to forgive you. He is done with it. He's cleansed it from your account. It's over with. Satan will come and condemn you of that. He'll keep reminding you of how sorry you are and how you did this, that, and the other. And he'll try to beat you down, sit you down, and silence you. Now, I'm going to tell you what we do there. As Christians, we look at, G, uh, we look at Satan and we say, hit the road, Jack. I've dealt with Jesus on this one. We're good. And you put him on the road. You don't let him control your life. You let Jesus control your life. If you have not confessed of a sin and you're feeling conviction of it, confess of that sin and get on with it. Move closer into relationship with God. Try to never do it again. That should be our goal in life. Man, if you did that or this or that, whatever you did, try not to do it again. Now, you're not going to be good enough apart in yourself. You need Jesus in your life to have victory. But as you walk in victory with Jesus, you'll have success. Conviction brings confession. Confession brings conversion. Conversion brings life. Living in sin brings death. The wage of sin is death. So, church, I, I know where I've been with this. I love these kind of sermons. They hit me first. And they deal with me. And then I get the privilege to stand before you and say, will you let it deal with you? Or you continue to live walking in sin, losing your vitality, Spiritually, morally bankrupt. Or you turn to Jesus right now and say, Lord, I want to lay this at your feet. Your blood was shed to cover my sin. And I want you, Lord, to cover my sin. Cleanse my account. Help me to walk tomorrow more in tune with your spirit. Separated from my sin and clinging to you as my Savior. You know, if you're here today and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, you can have that. It's so easy. He says, if you'll call upon me, I'll save you. 
You come and surrender. He's got his arms wide open for you. If you're here today and you say, I'm saved, I'm just, I'm just not living it right now. I've got some situations in my life called sin. I need to deal with them. I want to invite you to deal with those right now. Right now, church. Father, we love you and we thank you for your love. Thank you for the privilege to come before you this morning. Read your word, study your word, let it be applied to our life. And God, now's our time to respond to you. So, Lord, give us the strength and courage, Lord, to deal with that right now, to confess sin, walk away from the flesh and its, its pull on our life and cling to you as our Savior. Spirit of God, have your will and way in our life right now. I pray to ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Our praise team is going to sing. We're here for you. There's Me and Mike are here. We're, we're here to... If you've got a decision you want to make, if you want to talk about your baptism, if you want to talk about church membership, if you want to talk about salvation, we're here for you. If you want to come and just, if you want to just use this time to come before God and you want to make a move for God, He moved for you. And you want to walk to these altars and you want to lay something down before God. I'm telling you, 100% of the people in here have dealt with sin. Whether you've dealt with it rightly or not, it's between you and God. You can deal with it rightly right now. Just because you get up and walk up here to this, this altar and, and lay something for Jesus, that doesn't mean you're the only one with a problem. All of us have got a problem. It's just if you'll be bold enough to deal with it today, that's the question. Stand with me, church. Let's respond as God called us. Let's sing, Take My Life. Bill's here, too. I didn't see you, Bill. Sorry, Bill's here. We're here for you. Y'all move as God leads. Take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to Thee. Take my moments and my days, let them flow in ceaseless praise. Take my hands and let them at the impulse of thy love, take my feet and let them be swift and beautiful for thee. Take my voice and let me sing always.
Heavenly Father, as I bow in your presence, I just thank you for this day that you blessed us with. And Lord, I praise you and thank you for the forgiveness of sin. Thank you for the gift of your Son that died upon the cross, shed his blood, that I might be forgiven of my sins. Lord, I praise you and thank you for that, Lord, and help us always to recognize when we have sin in our life, Lord, that we turn to you and confess our sins, Lord, that we seek your forgiveness, that we might experience the fellowship, Lord, that you intended for us to have with you all along, Lord, and that we would be the servants, we would be the children that would be pleasing in your sight, Lord. And now, Lord, as we take up this offering, I pray that it will be used in this community and around the world to spread the gospel that others, Lord, too, might come to experience your forgiveness as you intended, for we praise thee in Jesus' name. Amen.